Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Growth League, a podcast at the intersection of personal and professional growth. To get us inspired for the week, every Monday, I seek out remarkable women leaders and we uncover their rule for growth, something that they learned in the process of achieving their own personal and professional goals. These rules are like shortcuts to success, and hopefully we can use them to save some time and heartache on our way to achieving what's possible. This week's rule from our guest, Mita Malik, is get a sponsor, not a mentor. This episode is brought to you by Influence & Co., a content marketing agency that helps companies create content that drives business results. They have existing relationships with more than 1,000 publications in a variety of different industries. They've helped me get articles published in Harvard Business Review, CEO.com, Business Journals, Thrive Global, and many more. You can find out more on influenceandco.com slash growth for the many services that they offer for thought leaders and companies interested in inbound lead generation. I'm Diana Kander, and like you, I feel the call to grow. I'm a Midwestern mom of two and have a career as a keynote speaker and growth consultant where I go to corporations and I provide their leaders with a framework that's going to help them create their best year ever. But you don't learn when you're doing all the talking. So I wanted to create this show as a tool to help me level up my own game by learning from others. I invite you to join me for these mind-blowing, perspective-shifting conversations. Think of this show as the perfect way to get into a growth headspace for the whole week. This week's rule, to get a sponsor rather than a mentor, might be a bit surprising, but everything's going to make sense when you hear my conversation with Mita Malik. Mita is the head of inclusion and diversity and equity at Carta, a technology company based in San Francisco with about 1,500 employees and a valuation over $7 billion. Mita was formerly the head of diversity and cross-cultural marketing at Unilever, a product manager at Pfizer, a global brand manager at Avon, and an assistant product director at Johnson & Johnson. Her work has always been dedicated to making sure people are represented, whether that means smashing stereotypes and branding or making sure products come in a variety of skin tones. And she literally preferred watching commercials over TV shows as a child. That's how you know somebody's passionate about branding. She's also the co-host of a brand new podcast, called Brown Table Talk. I think you're going to be just as blown away as I was by hearing from Mita. The idea of a career sponsor is an entirely new framework for finding somebody to help you through your career journey. Welcome to the show. So excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I want to kick things off right away with a story. Throughout your career, was there ever a time when there was a boss, a leader, or somebody who gave you growth wings, you know, did something or said something that really helped you 10x your game? 
I've had a lot of moments like that. I'm really lucky. I've had a lot of amazing people who have helped me get to where I am. I want to give a particular shout out to Jonathan Atwood, who's one of my career sponsors. And I'll never forget, this was 2017, Valentine's Day of that year. I suddenly lost my father and it changed the trajectory of my life forever. And that May, I was invited to speak at Walmart on stage with Gina Davis and an incredible star-studded cast. And I kept saying no because my confidence was so shaken and I was grieving. And he made me do it. And that night before the panel and we were in Bentonville, he took me to this little shack called like the Crab Shack and sat there and, and told me the story of how he had suddenly lost his father. And for someone that was so senior at his level to sit down and be so vulnerable and share his story of grief and just to say to me, go on stage and share your story. People come to conferences to hear stories. They don't want to hear corporate rhetoric. They don't want to hear about the sayings and the values and the posters that you have on your walls or on Instagram. They want to be moved. And so always share your story wherever you are. And I haven't stopped sharing my story since then. What did he say to you? Because you kept saying no. What was it that he finally said that convinced you? That he was there for me. That he had actually also brought other people from our team. And I think it was also more of an acknowledgement that I was on a grieving journey and it was okay to not be okay. Now, you called him your your sponsor, your, your personal sponsor. What is that? That's the first time I've ever heard that term. So I would say I am over-mentored and under-sponsored. <laughs> I don't need any more mentors. I have a lot of amazing mentors. You and I could be mentors for each other after this episode. And that's great. But we don't work in the same organization. So how could you be my sponsor? Or how, how could I be your sponsor? So sponsorship is really about... If I'm in an organization, it's someone who's two levels above me, typically, and they're advocating for my career when the doors are closed and I'm not there. And they, are, they have political skin in the game. They are getting you access to the CEO. They are putting your name up for jobs you didn't even know existed. And so that's what real sponsorship looks like, is that you are opening doors. And that's the difference between sponsorship and mentorship. Well, that sounds nice. I'd like to get me one of those career sponsors. So, you know, when I asked you before the podcast, if you had any tips to give to young people who are just getting started, you said, meet the people who are going to help you succeed in your role. And I assume that you meant these kinds of sponsors. Uh, yes. And I think for too long in my career, and part of that's my cultural upbringing, proud daughter of Indian immigrant parents, my dad used to always say, keep your head down, work hard, stay out of trouble, <laughs> and you will be recognized. And I love my dad, rest in peace, dad, but that doesn't work in large organizations. And I learned that the hard way. So I would show up just head down, working, working, working. And there's such a piece of collaboration in organizations and working with others. And I started to recognize and understand that I needed to understand who would help me be successful in this company not just for myself, but also for the company. And so that's what I think was the game changer for me in like building relationships and not just sitting head down, emailing people. I was the person who was always scared. Like I was really painfully shy growing up and like coming into corporate America, I would hate like going into people's offices, which sounds so strange now, but I would rather send an email than actually have to like have a conversation. 
And what were those experiences that taught you that that was not the way to excel, that that was bad advice? Well, one of my first experiences coming out of graduate school, I was so excited, landed this like kick-ass job. And I thought I was doing great. Like this is a moment of lack of self-awareness. I thought I was doing great. And I'll never forget my manager, former manager shows up wearing an ugly Hawaiian print shirt. And yes, it was ugly. I'll be judgmental. And I'll just, this memory is like, it's like seared in my head. And he shows up and he's like, hey, can we have like a quick meeting? And he pulls me into a conference room and they had just had one of those really big talent review sessions and said, listen, we just had a talent review session. I wanted to, wanted you to know that like you're doing good work, but like no one knows who you really are here and no, no one knows what you do. And so you're never going to be promoted to a manager, never mind a director. Ouch. And I was an associate then and the company, which many companies still do, they like hire you to say, hey, I'm hiring Mita because I think she can get to this level. And after I was like devastated because here I was like, I thought I was killing it. I was crushing it. Love this job. And after I went home and downed the you know pint of Ben and Jerry's Chunky Monkey, which I always allow myself to do, I was like, he's right. Because what I was doing was I was showing up, the lights were on, I was engaged, but I would always be sitting in the back. You know, like when you have like a 50 person conference room and you show up and all the seats are empty and I'd be on the radiator. (laughs) Like I'd be in the back because I was like so afraid of using my voice. I was afraid of being judged. I was afraid I would say the wrong thing. And so it was a long journey for me to find my voice and to feel comfortable speaking my mind and contributing. Well, how incredibly kind of that person in the ugly Hawaiian shirt. (laughs) I wish he had done it with a little more care, but there was definitely candor and courage. I remember when I started working at a big firm many careers ago, they would say, you know, for the first seven years, just keep your head down and do good work. And then I would see all of these people who were waiting to make partner, you know, show up to the committee and they would say, okay, well, where's your book of business? And everyone would say, well, you told me to do good work. You didn't tell me to go get business or to meet people. So it's just not part of the orientation. It's not. And a lot of that, like I said, I'm the proud daughter of Indian immigrant parents. It was just in terms of how I was raised in terms of just working really hard and that people will notice. And there is this now this shift for me where, yes, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work smart rather than hard. And I'm also going to make sure that individuals who I'm working with understand the points I'm putting on the board. And that's a bit of building your own brand and credibility within an organization, which I was missing. So what does that process look like? Tell me the kinds of people that you seek out and what it is that you say to them, because you're not just asking them to go get a cup of coffee with you, or are you? That's a really great question. I, I always say, like, meet people in your organization and I know the word networking is like, yeah. it's like, I'm 5'1", which is really hard when you're around a lot of tall people. Let me tell you, at a happy hour and you're like up against the bar being pushed with a bad glass of Chardonnay and there's business cards. And I'm like, who am I trying to meet? And then you just go home like sad. And so flipping it to think I'm looking to build authentic bridges with people. So early in my career, and I still do this, if I was meeting with you and you were another senior leader in the organization, meeting to get to know each other, I also would bring my annual brand plan or bring a proposal I was working on to get your advice on perspective on work that you were doing. And if our functions actually overlapped, you might have an interest in what I was doing and you might want to have another meeting and another meeting, and then you might actually get involved in that work. 
And I also think there's another piece that we underestimate. People really like talking about themselves. I mean, that's what you're doing with me now. People like providing advice and guidance. And that's a lot of what your show is about as well. And so I think just remembering that, like you can meet people and ask a lot of smart questions and insightful questions and build authentic relationships that way. When the sun goes down at the world's leading business school, the faculty speak their minds. Harvard professors, young me, me here, and Felix are hosts of After Hours, a podcast from TED. Each week, they catch up after work to dish on topics torn straight from the headlines, from Facebook to free trade to how to buy happiness. Think of it as professors in cars having coffee. This season, holiday travel headaches, chicken sandwich wars, and their big prediction for 2022. Get ahead of the trends and find After Hours wherever you listen. Building a successful business online can be challenging. From creating a standout online presence and building a marketing strategy to the technical side of running a website, it's a lot to manage. And that's exactly where Wix comes in. It offers a complete business solution with all the features that you need to create, manage, and grow online. You can build your website exactly the way that you want it with thousands of design features that have been created with your needs in mind. Wix has strong infrastructure in place, providing you with reliable hosting and fast loading times, which are everything. If people are waiting for your website to load, they will leave. And on top of it all, you get marketing and business tools built into your website dashboard, making it even easier for you to reach the right audiences. So head over to Wix.com and join millions of people growing their business online today. So you wrote an article and inside the article, you mentioned attending something called a him for her dinner. You're teaching me a lot of vocabulary so far on this episode. What is that? Because that also sounds like an awesome event. Yes, a him for her dinner. Him for her is a nonprofit started by my good friend Jocelyn. Please look up him for her. And they're all about creating a network and accelerating the movement of helping more women get on boards. Full stop. I am on a journey to get on a board. I haven't been gotten that opportunity yet, but I'm still on that journey. So I went to this dinner where it was interesting. It was the the men in this network or the men in our lives who nominated amazing women to come to this dinner and meet individuals and leaders who had the power and the opportunity to open up a board seat or to offer a board seat. So it was pretty, pretty incredible dinner. And there's still this was pre-pandemic. They're still doing them and we'll be starting them again next year. Amazing. And what is the conversation like at dinner? Is it about why you want to be on a board, what you have to offer, or is it just uh, getting to know everybody? They're actually pretty, pretty curated. I believe it was, now you're really jogging my memory. It was like 15 or 20 people around that table. Jocelyn was the host. And there were questions like, which is why I wrote the article, what's the most important leadership skill you think individuals should have. This was pre-pandemic. And I said kindness, which I think everybody was like, what? (laughs) Which now seems like, duh. Of course. But yeah, I was like, I think that's the most important quality in a leader. Can you tell me why? Why it's number one? Why it beats out all the others? I am a big fan of Dr. Maya Angelou. And one of her quotes that always sits with me is people won't remember what you did or said, they'll remember how you made them feel. And so if I can lead with kindness, the rest will figure itself out. If I can show up for my people and my team every single day in my company, 
and just be the best version of myself and show grace and kindness, especially during this time. How is that going to make people feel? I have their back. They're going to invest more. Their potential is going to be unlocked. And they're going to actually, over time, build loyalty. And so that's how I view kindness. Like it, it unlocks so much. And I can remember the times in my career where I worked on businesses that were in double digit decline. And I'm like, oh, it was like the most painful, right? Turning around businesses in decline. And I stayed because I worked with some of the kindest people. And I stayed and we turned those businesses around. Some of the things that I have talked about with fellow women leaders is that can women afford to be kind? Do women get a bad rap? You're being too nice. You're not being firm. I can, I can still be kind and firm and fair. Why are those things, why are they diametrically opposed? Like, why can't I be both of those things? Why is kindness seen as weakness? Right? I always say, like, please don't mistake my kindness for weakness. It's my superpower. Don't think I'm a doormat because I'm kind. I'd love to turn the focus back on you and what growth goals you're working on. Uh, you shared that you wanted to learn something about cars. You're interested in cars. I want to dive into that. And, you know, being apprehensive about returning to the office. So let's talk about cars first. What happened? Well, I'm, I'm just going to fall into the terrible stereotype of being a woman and not understanding how cars work. Now, that's just me owning that stereotype. That is not the case for many women I know in my life. They, they know how to change the oil. They understand how the engine runs. This has been on my mind for a few years. I'd love to take like a minute mechanics course and do something with my hands. Like I'd love to like understand like, okay, you pull open the hood and what's underneath. I have no idea. Like I, I just don't. And so one of the things I also challenge myself, because when you ask that question, like, what are you going to do to grow? I am not an expert in the DEI space. I just have deep expertise. And I think for anything, I can say, of course, I want to learn more about this space. And I think what's really interesting is when you go and learn something completely different, like learn something that has nothing to do with what you do every day and what that might unlock for you and what ideas it might give you for your day job or for life. And so that's something we'll see if I do it in 2022. I love this as a goal. I'm very curious about your preparation for this goal. So how you're thinking about learning more about cars, because there's a million different ways you can attack it. I love Googling YouTube videos, how to like last night, my zipper got stuck coat zipper. I hate when that happens. I was like, I could rip this or I could, oh, I'm going to Google it. And I did. So I have to believe that I could find something. I mean, it's, there's so much information out there. How do you take something that's out there? It's like one of the things I'd like to, you know, I want to learn about pottery. I want to learn how to be a DJ. I want to learn about metalworking. How do you take something out of this space in front of you into what's possible and say, okay, now I'm going to start working on it. For me, it's very simple. Like, again, setting like 30 minutes a week, a reminder. Like, did you Google a video on cars? What did you do that? Like, you know, because it's not to your point, I could sit here a year from now and tell you I did nothing on this goal. But I think sometimes we're too busy chasing what that end goal is and not thinking about all the little steps that get to that. And so I'm trying to be more intentional in my life about building those daily habits or the weekly habits, meeting a new person a week. Now onto my list for 2022, spending cars. time researching cars. I'm sorry. I feel like I just jammed it on there. This is great. I'm doing it. It's been on my mind for a while. 
Is there anything you've learned about goals where like the why has to be strong enough? How does something make it onto one of your lists? I think it's going to enhance the quality of my life. It's going to make me happier. One of my goals for a long time has been drinking water. Isn't that this? Everyone has that goal, right? And since January 4th, do you have a jug? Do you have a jug? Yes. Look how big. <laughs> Two friends sent me this January 4th and it's 65 ounces. I have been drinking this entire jar since January 4th. Amazing. And so my ask of my employer is I probably need a seat right by the ladies room <laughs> because in your own home private office, this works. But I will tell you, when you create a habit like that, when, on the days you miss it, you really feel it. But it's just, it's really hard, I think, for the first two months. And that's a small example of continuing to do it and do it and do it. But then once you've done it, it just becomes a part of your routine. When you go back to the office, are you going to take that big jug into meetings with you? <laughs> yes, I'm going to. Maybe I'll buy a second one to keep in the office, but I will. I will just tell you, my husband has a jug and he... Like when he plops it down on a table in a meeting, it's just like very awkward. <laughs> it's a conversation starter. Yeah, you're recognized and noticed and you're remembered. Hey, Mita, she carries a gallon jug of water. She must be into habits and making herself better in every way. I like it. Yes. Okay, let's get to the speed round. Do you have a superpower habit, something that is a habit or a system that contributes to your success? Now that my kids are back in school, I prepare everything the night before, even backpacks, water bottles, socks, shoes, coat jackets, everything is out. So in the morning, it's just like this. Do you have a kryptonite habit, a habit that you're like, ugh, I do this all the time. It might be holding me back. Maybe it's not knowing how to change a tire. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say that's a good one. Ooh, holding on to feedback, especially in relationships. I don't have that issue with my husband, but in relationships where someone has done something that's upset me and I let it linger and fester for too long. And then six months later, I'm ready to talk about it. I've, I've been much better about that over the years. Do you have an oops in your career when you messed up, fell down, whatever it might be? I just want to hear one of those stories and, and what happened afterwards. Oops. I, wearing heels and tripping down the stairs with the CEO I was walking with. That's pretty oops. Yeah. When when was this? Paint the picture for me, please. Paint the picture, rushing to a meeting with this individual and just sort of flying down. It went face, face down. I, I kind of caught my, it was like a, <laughs> I'm very clumsy. Yeah. I'm not good at walking and talking. And also when you're, this is a, maybe this is another podcast episode for another time, but when you're short, I say petite and you're walking with CEOs who are above six feet, trying to keep up pace and heels. Yeah. Boy, that is a good one. Anything that, that you did like career wise as an, as an oops. Oh gosh. Like, oops. I mean, not reading a room. Right. Yeah. I, I would early in my career, like I would go in like a robot and just like go through slides because <laughs> I was so nervous to be like, shh, shh, shh. and you know, there was a moment where you, we grow and you start to realize, okay, like they've hired me for expertise. I'm supposed to actually facilitate a dialogue and discussion when I go into a C-suite. I'm not there to like flip through slides and read the slides. Like they can 
see that. Someone actually said, you don't need to read the slides. I can read them. I mean, and you're like, that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, of course you can read them. And so my job is to tell a story about what I'm trying to share and what I'm trying to convince you all. You can read the slides. So what is it that I can tell you that's not on the slides? And so that's really been my pivot when I walk into rooms now. I feel like you've been blessed in your career with individuals who maybe not in gen- like nice and kind candor, but like people who have given you great pieces of advice that that you've really grown from. They have. And you know what? I always say like uh, a big thank you to all of my bosses, the good ones and the bad ones, because I wouldn't be here without them, honestly. A topic I, I did want to make sure we covered is returning back to the office. My hope is that when we return back to the office, which I know a card is returning in January, many companies are, we're going to have a hybrid approach, is that you now can't unsee what you've seen in terms of my life. The last 18 months, my children walking in, me screaming at my children, forgetting I wasn't on mute, you know, all those things. <laughs> And I hope that we will bring that kindness and compassion when we're back in person, that we will remember those small things about each other. Things that you might have shared about your family or your hobbies or your passion or your fears, that, that we don't just lock that away, that we bring that with us when we're back, in, back at work in person. What are you most apprehensive about returning to the workforce? I keep bringing this up, but oh my gosh, what will it be like? Will my coworkers know I'm the short? <laughs> How will it feel to meet people for the first time? Will I have friends? Who will I eat lunch with? Where will I sit? These are all just like normal human anxieties. What will the commute be like? Will I, and I think I will, I think all of us have like a low level of like social anxiety. What will it be like to be on all day long sitting next to people like we used to do? Will people think I'm antisocial if I just need to get a break? And as I say, like recharge, it's like recharging the human. I might just want to walk to Starbucks alone, where normally I was the person who left my house at eight. Some nights I wouldn't be back till 10 doing events, after work things. And now I'm just like, wow, I think I need more me time. Like I need to just decompress. It's so crazy that you say that because I went into the pandemic as an extrovert and my husband as an introvert and we came out of it opposite. Like he's like, I'm ready to go back. And I'm like, I'm happy here by myself. Yes. And so just acknowledging that. Right. And just being like, I think it's going to be a transition. Also, like, you know, my husband leaving his dirty lunch plate in the sink and I can yell at him. I can't yell at my coworkers. Or like, keep it down. Like, it's just interesting. Like, we've all had our own private offices. Yeah, you cannot shout at coworkers. Well, let's see if we can come up with a rule for today's episode. I really like the topic we dove into about finding a career sponsor. (laughs) I'm going to say stop looking for mentors, find a sponsor. I love it. Because I think too many times it's like, find yourself a mentor. Too many of us, and I would say too many women in particular, we have enough amazing mentors. We need people opening doors and saying our names in places where we aren't. Intentionally building professional relationships is the key to growing your career. But like Mita said, it's not going to happen just out of nowhere. Career sponsors are about finding those internal allies who can bring up your name in important meetings when you're not in the room. If you want more Mita, please do check out her podcast, Roundtable Talk. And this week, think about who might make for a good career sponsor in your life. 
If you want to go brainstorm with others, you can do so in our Facebook group dedicated to the show. The Growth League Podcast Facebook group is your place to set your intentions, take part in growth challenges, and meet other amazing like-minded individuals. If you enjoyed the show and you want more like it, please make sure that you're subscribed. And if you have a remarkable woman leader in your life that you'd like to nominate to be a future guest, please leave a review for the show and tell us why she's amazing and what you would want to know more about her. And please do include your social media handles so that we can thank you appropriately. Thank you again to Influence & Co. for sponsoring the show. If you want to create a system out of your thought leadership that serves as lead generation, SEO for your website, and just increases sales, feel free to reach out to me and I'll tell you all about my work with this amazing organization. You can also go to influenceandco.com slash growth. That's it for this week's episode of The Growth League. I am Diana Kander wishing you an amazing growth-filled week. The Growth League is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Edie Allard, Adesua Agbanile, and Taylor Williamson. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan, and our editor is Emily Rudder.